franchise. I was going to say, it must have been so weird that this 18, 19-year-old kid coming up is essentially the best hitter on your team. And I wonder if it was kind of like, oh, no, 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 he's going to be on this team eventually yeah like we were saying like for the rest of his career because they like trades just didn't happen guys weren't even traded they were basically sold yes different franchises and we'll definitely bring this up later when he leaves philadelphia due to unforeseen circumstances well that's the yes exactly so everybody at this juncture when he's 18 19 or like is like oh this guy's gonna play for us for 20 years yeah it's just like he's young and we kind of can't work him in yet but he's not gonna give him time yep and uh, 28 was his breakout season, 1928, 400 at-bats, 13 RBIs, 79, or, uh, 29 doubles, 79 ribbies, 328 batting average, a 548 slugging percentage, and a 964 OPS. Yeah, the slugging percentage and the, the batting, the, the hitting percentage for me, for him is so ridiculous. And we'll get into the home runs well, too, but he is such a great hitter. And I want to bring this up because I'll bring it up kind of multiple times for this podcast is the only other player in league history that I can even equate his productivity window to. Because remember, this is his age 20 season. Yep. He turns 21 when the season is basically finished is Ken Griffey Jr. Yes. He legit. And when you watch old junior highlights, when he's breaking records, Almost every single record that he breaks where it's like Ken Griffey Jr. is now the youngest person to do X, Y, and Z incredible since Jimmy Fox. Exactly. And Jimmy Fox um, was known as the right-handed Babe Ruth. So he is a power-hitting right-handed hitter, which you don't see kind of a lot of in Major League Baseball. I mean, it's about half and half. Not a lot of switch hitters, but like Jimmy Fox, if you look back non-steroids obviously yeah is the premier right-handed power hitter basically for the 20th century i was gonna say he his legacy goes on for so long this is what i was looking up his records weren't getting beat until this steroid era with ken griffey jr who didn't use steroids and barry bonds who did that's where all these records that we kind of see him accumulating kind of start going away which is it, it, it reverberates as to how good he was oh dude and that, how long ago because it was what like 60 years before anybody was even challenging what he was doing and that's what i mean is like if the guy that's breaking your records is junior you're obviously doing something correctly yep like no, uh, yeah his, and that, that's kind of why i wanted to have him do an episode on him on yeah. this podcast because not a lot of you know millennials know who the fuck this guy is and it's like no if you like baseball you should know who this guy is yeah no i i 100 agree but uh, in 1929 he finally becomes the regular first baseman 21 year old first baseman for the philadelphia a's and they have built a goddamn juggernaut under connie mack i was gonna say this is the the philadelphia a's that dominate so in 29 they go 104 and 46 yeah 104 and 46. I mean, this is a stacked lineup. I mean, not only do you have Fox, you have Mickey Cochran behind the dish. Al Simmons, also a Hall of Famer in the outfield, who's hitting like 380. Mm -hmm. Like a fantastic Major League Baseball player. Mule Haas out in the outfield. Bing Miller, Jimmy Dykes, Max Bishop. And you have a veteran staff led by 
Lefty Grove, who won over 300 career games. Oh, yeah, sure. You have Rube Wahlberg and George Earnshaw. I mean, this three-year window, and I want to bring this up to listeners who aren't really familiar with baseball history, in the late 20s, they're not only winning the pennant, they're winning the pennant against the murderer's row fucking Yankees. Yep. That's how good this team was for this small window. I mean, they are just kicking everyone's ass. And we'll get into why they break up, but I feel like if that didn't happen, we wouldn't be talking about Murderer's Row like we would because I no. feel like it would be a lot of domination really by this ace team. And who the hell knows? Because the Phillies obviously fucking suck at this time. Oh, they're... The, they're, Phil- they're dregs. the Philadelphia A's won more World Series in Philadelphia than the actual Philadelphia Phillies. Yep. They keep this lineup together. Maybe it's the Phillies that moved to Oakland or Kansas City. Who the hell knows? But in 29, as the regular first baseman, 21 years old, led the league with a 354 batting average, 465 on base percentage, 625 slugging, a 1.08 eight OPS, 33 dingers, 118 RBIs. That's pretty, I want to cut you off right here. Just uh, had a little uh, Christy tangent going here. I tried to, when I was younger, get the uh, word dinger for one night stands. <laughs> Nobody hopped on that one. I don't, I don't know. Can Anyways, I, but he had, Should I start? I mean, I'm in a committed relationship. Me too. Now. That's why I'm like, that'll be gone. But for if good. everything crashes and burns, dinger using now. I'm using it forever. I, I, I will do that out of respect. But honestly, I think I might marry this woman. Well, so. there you go. Oh, shit, that was on the podcast. <laughs> but... In uh, in the World Series, they yes. beat the Cubs four to one in uh, the nineteen twenty nine World Series. He hit three eighty with two home runs and five RBIs. That was something else I saw was he stepped up more. And some and sometimes guys do they just step up more in these World Series, these big games. But he was just himself. Yeah, that, that, that's the whole thing. I mean, he made the cover of Time Magazine. Oh, was that in twenty nine? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome because he was twenty one. Yeah, I wrote that. Yeah, that, that must have been such a crazy. Yeah, it, it, his life was so great. Um, so we get into 30. Which they do even better. Yep. They do even better. Which I feel like is crazy, but... Or no, no, they don't do better record-wise, but I mean, they still kick ass and win back-to-back. Yep. Because they go 102 and 52 that year. They went over 100 games... Back-to-back. Again. Yeah. He... Improved his run scoring, 127 to 123. Improved his hits, 188 to 183. Doubles, 33 to 23. More triples that season. I mean, 13 to 9. More home runs, 37 to 33. Now he's legit at his age 21-22 season, kicking the crap out of people. RBIs, he knocked in 156. Well, he was talked about in these seasons um, as one of the best hitters and you could just see by all of his his statistics that if you're not talking about you know he's one or two almost all these seasons no and he is and the thing about it is he hit 335 yeah most guys with those numbers they hit like now 280 Mm -hmm. he hit 335 they go back to the world series because they win the pennant because fuck you babe ruth yep fuck you lou gehrig you're not the luckiest man in the world Four to two in the World Series, hit three thirty three with a home run and three RBIs. Like 
It's insane because this guy's at the beginning of his career. These are Ken Griffey Jr. numbers from the right side of the dish. Well, I, I can't think of anybody else this young that has these type of numbers from this era. No, it's, you know? it's insane because it's really only two people. Yeah. Because most guys, like uh, we did in our Boggs episode, what was he, 24 when he came to the major league? Exactly. He's still playing minor league ball. Fox is like a seasoned veteran by the time he's 23. Yeah, he's got two World Series under his belt. You know what I mean? It's ridiculous. But absolutely insane. They're two-time defending champions. And they go for a three-peat because the next year, they win more games than they ever have, 107 and 45. Oh, yeah. All right. Like, and that was in 31. Yeah, that's that's why... This, this is what I mean, was this A's team was so ridiculously good. And that's what everybody looks back at with Connie Mack, is he built this amazing team that could have, for a decade, won the World Series, oh, if easily. that makes sense. Hey, everybody. Just want to take a quick break to uh, let you know that our Sports Experience podcast is brought to you by Engel Studio here, and uh, they're here in Tucson for all your recording needs. Yeah, could have absolutely done it. Yep. And unfortunately for them, and this is kind of Fox's only, quote, down year, end yep. quote, in his career, because he only hits 291 with 30 home runs and 120 RBIs, and they do end up losing the World Series to the Cardinals, which is unfortunate, but it's like for a three-year run of that with three straight 100-win seasons, you're entering immortality, which a lot of people don't even remember because they always associate the 20s and 30s with the Yankees. Yep. Even but, though this, like we were saying, this A's team could have been it, but then we'd see... 32 is like, in in my opinion, in the pantheon of best hitting seasons in Major League Baseball, 32 might be Jimmy Fox's, not only his own crowning achievement, but one of the most crowning achievements in baseball history. I was going to say, I really wanted to bring this up because I wanted your your inside information on it because I felt like he was kind of screwed over on a couple of these. Well, the first thing he was screwed over on the triple crown by a bullshit rule that doesn't exist today. That's exactly what I was. The, that was the first thing because he really should have been the batting champion. What What is the triple crown? It's the uh, best batting average, most home runs, most RBIs. Most Miguel Cabrera of the um, Tigers did it probably about seven, eight years ago. But... What Jimmy Fox did that season, not only the Triple Crown, but he got screwed over in the other thing, which I'll get into yep. or you want to go into, is he hit 364, which should have been the best batting average in the league. But Boston's Dale Alexander had only 455 at-bats, which wouldn't have qualified for the percentage of at-bats you need to qualify for a title. Like, remember when we brought up Wade Boggs? Yep. If they had the old rules, he would have had an extra batting title. But Fox got screwed over on that, even though he led the league with 58 home runs and 169 RBIs. Yep. And I bring up the home runs. Why? Well, and this is what I found so interesting was Babe Ruth records. We all know uh, 60. He hit in 1927. Well, Jimmy Fox actually hit 60 in this year. Because, he did. And it's one of these things. He hit. Two extra dingers, two extra one-night stands, and they got the games got rain delayed. And this is what I found so weird was nowadays when a game gets rain delayed, doesn't it get made up or 
No, no. I mean, sometimes they do, but, but other sometimes times, they don't. If you don't play the required numbers, it just goes in the bag. Okay. So, and that's what ended up happening is he did hit 60 that year, but yep. he had two home runs rained out. Yeah. And he could have tied Babe Ruth. And don't get me wrong. He led the league with a 1.218 OPS. Do you know how incredibly difficult that is? That is astronomical. And granted, he had 151 runs scored that year. So yeah. this guy is just a run scoring, a run driving in machine. That's why he won the league MVP. I mean, he's the league's elite player because this is towards the end of Ruth's career. Yes. This is the right-handed Babe Ruth you're seeing in the flesh, which in 1932, he's not even 25 years old yet. I know. That was the thing that I keep coming back to that is so ridiculous, especially in this 32 season, because... A lot of the times you see guys have like good season, good season, and then maybe drop off or something like that. And he was like good season, good season, amazing season. Like he he's he's such a great hitter that it, it's kind of ridiculous that he doesn't have that that home run record associated with Ruth. No, because I feel like that would have been cool to have like a lefty and a righty and a and have it tied. But you know, to think and I I want to remind listeners at this time. You're only playing 154 games a season. Yep. You're not playing the 162 that Maris got the 61 in. Like he tied Ruth for all intents and purposes this season as just an absolute juggernaut batting. Yeah, like insane. Yeah, no, it, it's the thir his 32 season is something that should be. I mean, and it really is should be looked at as one of the best baseball seasons that anybody's ever had. Well. He follows it up with something just as awesome, though, if you think about it. Because in 33, he finally gets an all-star appearance when they start the all-star game, obviously. Yes, but yes. Wins the MVP again. Yep. But he wins a triple crown. I was going to say, he wins what he should have. And really, he should have had back-to-back -back triple crowns. That was something that people are saying because he had back-to-back -back MVPs, but he really should have had back-to-back -back triple crowns in this in this era in which he was just the best hitter. 356 average, 48 homers, 163 RBIs, 204 hits. That's like an Ichiro number that he's yeah, doing as a power hitter. It's so interesting, yeah. But he led the league in slugging and OPS. I mean, this, but triple crown, for those of you who are listening, this has been done so rarely in Major League Baseball history. I want to say the gap between, I believe it's Carl Yastrzemski was the last one to do it. Maybe Frank Robinson. Okay. But then it was Miguel Cabrera. Like, these gaps are so... They're almost 25 years. Yes, exactly. Yes. Like Mantle, I remember, won one. Yep. But like th this, these are feats that should never be ignored. Like Cabrera is obviously going to be a Hall of Famer. But to be able to do that as far as guys will lead the league in home runs and hit like 260. Or yeah. guys will lead the league in RBIs and hit like 290. Across the board, this is the best player in baseball. Yep. And he did it in 1933. And then... 34-35. All he keeps doing is just leading the league in categories. Runs with 111 and 34. Homers in 1935 with 36. I mean, over those next two seasons, he hit 80 homers. Yeah. He no, hit it's 80 homers. It's, yeah, his, his numbers are so awesome. But this is where we see the decline of the A's, which is kind of the sad part of this, which is the Great Depression hits, and yes. 
Connie Mack essentially has to sell his pieces. Yeah, because Connie Mack can't afford to keep all this, well, I won't call it high price talent by today's standards, but I guess by Great Depression standards, yes, it was high price talent. And they start selling people off because after the 35 season, Fox is traded. Yeah. Well, well sold. sold. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, sold. this is like pre-trades. You're right. They were they were selling them, and he sells them to uh, Boston, which I thought was so interesting because this is kind of where Boston is still in a shit show. Yeah, Boston is kind of struggling at this time, and yeah. they need a star. And granted, they get one in him yep. for the next six seasons where he plays full seasons for them. But... It's the end of the A's, and it's more or less... Yeah, and he's still producing. I mean, he's still putting up Hall of Fame stats for the Red Sox, but they're not going to the World Series. Well, this is what I wanted to ask you about because athletes of this time, we don't necessarily have all the stuff we have about athletes nowadays, and I know that he struggled with alcoholism. Yeah. And my question is, did it start in Boston, or was it something that he... it like? Do we know? That's the whole mystery is because of the sports writing at the time. I know. And it was people following. I'm, I mean, I'm thinking the way that it was portrayed as far as it goes for him. Yeah. I think it was maybe always a problem. And it didn't affect him as much when he was younger. Because yes. when he goes to Boston in 36, he's 29, 28 years old. Yep. And... Granted, from 36 to 41, he hit 217 homers, hit 321, drove in over 700 runs, had a one uh, over a thousand uh, or a 430 on base percentage, had over a thousand uh, OPS, yes. and his best season was 38. So he's 31, 30. He led the league with 175 RBIs and walks, hit 349. I mean. He's still producing, and he hit fifty homers. Yeah, I mean, so I guess, so I guess, what I what I'm looking at is the alcoholism didn't really take hold at this point, even if he, or at least it wasn't really detrimental to his play. It, yeah, it's not detrimental when he's in his early twenties. Yeah, and people have said it might have been sinus conditions and I things saw that. like that. Yeah, like we'll never really know. I know it's so interesting, but. As I brought up, and I'll keep bringing up, that age 19 to 20 to early 30s window is so reminiscent of only Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. It's just like this massive shooting star for a decade, and then drop off. it just completely goes off the table. Yeah. It goes completely off the table. And it's so much so that... It, it's really it, it's really because he goes to the Cubs after this, correct? Is that true? Where... But I I still wanted to bring up these things about him in Boston because okay. like even in a franchise where you have Tris Speaker, fucking Ted Williams, uh, Carl Yastrzemski, in '39 he led the league in home runs with 35. I mean that's still his age 31 season. Yeah, and then you know in. 1938, he set an AL record for walks in a game. In 39, he hit 360. I mean, that was the best of his career. Oh, hit it, 50 homers. In in uh 38, was that when he got six walks in the in one yeah. game? Yeah, that was awesome. And but like here, let me put this in perspective. 
That was the Boston Red Sox home run in a season record until David Ortiz hit 54 in 2006. And that's what we were saying is this guy had records for almost 100 years. Exactly. Yeah. No, he was, like I said, just this, I won't even call it a shooting star because like a decade long of production yeah, exactly. like that is completely insane. But still, it's like... Where did this guy come from? No. Yeah, I agree. The The best quote about him, though, and you had brought it up in our little group chat, was yep. uh, Lefty Gomez, Hall of Fame pitcher for the Yankees, who he faced a lot of times, said he had muscles on his hair. Yeah, I loved that. Because I think he hit one into the into the triple deck at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, and left field. When Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium was just massive. And the and the other thing that they asked Lefty, because he gave it up, he said, and this was like preempt to that quote, he said, how long did it take to get out there? He goes, I don't know, but it took somebody like an hour to go and fetch it. Lefty had another good quote. I wanted to bring this up that I found. Uh, when Neil Armstrong first set foot on the moon, he saw a white object floating in the atmosphere and he was puzzled by the floating object i'm not quoting directly but this is what it was he didn't know what it was i knew what it was it was that home run hit off me in 1937 double x put it double out double x triple x god damn it oh man <laughs> that type of power hitting is sexy i'm calling him triple x i love it god damn but uh yeah as you stated before uh he did go to the cubs Yes, he did end up and it dro- and really 19, dropped off. Yeah, nineteen forty one was well, the, his last year with the Red Sox, and in forty two he started playing for Chicago with the drinking, sinus conditions, whatever's going on. Well, I wanted to bring this up because this is where World War II starts to kind of explode, and he's one of these veterans that doesn't go and surf because of what was thought to of. Uh, sinus condition or or something like that and he actually stays and plays baseball with a bunch of lesser players and he does not dominate no he doesn't at all in in 42 after he's traded from the red sox he hits only eight home runs and 33 rbis there are guys in the league then playing who were like teenagers and fucking people like pete gray who played for the st louis browns he had one arm god damn it and not Jim Abbott one arm. This is like some... No, th- this isn't Jim Abbott minus a hand. This is a guy minus an arm. Yes. But uh, 43, he just sits it out. Yeah. He doesn't even play in 43. But uh, 44, um, he ends up coming back with the uh, Philadelphia Phillies. He's back in Philly again. And this is where I find... This is where baseball has just changed so much that he comes back not as a first baseman, not as a catcher, but as a pitcher. Yeah, he ends up pitching. Yeah. Like, in 45, he pitched. He went 1-0. I know. And I think he had a... Uh, like, he started a few games and was pretty good. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's pretty ridiculous to think of what a great athlete Jimmy Fox was. I don't know what happened 41, 42 era. 43, what? he sits out, so who knows? And that's the mysterious part, and I'm... I'm just chalking all this up to like no coverage of teams like it is now. Cause like we could all see Ken Griffey Jr.'s decline because you're like, oh Jesus, he's on the DL again for X, Y, or Z. Yep. Like whether it's Fox Boozin or whether he's sick or whether he's hurt and not telling anybody, n- nobody knows. Yeah, nobody knows. But by 45, he's out of the league. Yep. By 1945, he's out of the league. And He's only 38. I mean, to think that he could have had maybe another season or two or that post-45 
42 to 45 window, yeah. he could at least be in the 600 home run club. But it is what it is, but he ended up playing uh, 20 years in the league just because he had started so early. Yep. Over 2,600 hits, uh, 534 home runs, which was the most uh, by a right-handed batter uh, for a very long time in Major League Baseball. Uh, over hit 325, over uh, 1,000 uh, OPS. I mean, he had the record for the most 30 consecutive home run seasons with 12. Until? Until. Go steroids. <laughs> steroids. <laughs> I mean, that's, I, that's what I found so great about him is like he had this record until... Steroids. There you go. <laughs> I mean, and when you look at... I mean, if you Google a picture of Jimmy Fox, you're like, okay, the, the, like, you know, when you see a guy, you're like, this guy fucks. You look at Jimmy Fox and go... This guy hits dingers. Yes. No. Yeah, that's that's a perfect... Because his arms were so much bigger than everybody else's. Um, one of the best... The other thing I saw, he had three MVPs uh, tied for second with a bunch of other guys. Well, so it was tied for first for a very long time. And yep. I'll go into this because steroids. Mm-hmm. Um, Barry Bonds won three MVPs as well. And then the juicing happened. So it would have been tied for the most in league history up until then but yeah he yeah, won his three most valuable players i was gonna say bonds won three and then he won what like four after the fucking his forehead exploded but uh, yeah from 20 to 29 i just want to elaborate on this he hit 376 homers 1320 rbis hit 333 was a league leader in homers three times a nine-time all-star two world series two rbi titles one batting title, led the league in slugging three times, and three times in OPS plus a triple crown. And should have been two back-to-back it triple sh- crowns. It, and yeah. it should have been back-to-back. And I don't think that's ever been done before. No. Which is absolutely insane. Yeah. But. And then we get into. Post-career. Post-career. <laughs> yeah. I saw he had a bunch of bad investments, which I thought was yeah. kind of, I felt, I always feel bad for athletes post-career when they. Almost, you always always feel like they get swindled. If he, you will, he almost went full rocket Ishmael. Yep. Yep. Um, but the what what was it called? The uh, American, whatever the ladies league. Was. Ladies. Yep. The uh, All American Girls Professional Baseball. That's what it was. He managed the Fort Wayne Daisies in 1952. And the character Jimmy Dugan was kind of loosely based on him. That's yeah, what I Tom saw. Yeah, Tom Hanks. It's loosely based. I think the booze part might have been based, but it said he was a little bit classier towards the ladies. Exactly. Which- I've- there's no crying in baseball. I just feel like he was definitely not as fun and funny. He was probably more serious. Like he wasn't telling the ump like, yeah, you look like a little penis with that hat on. <laughs> like there was none of those great little quips. I feel like just but- pissing at a fucking urinal for two minutes straight. No, I, I feel like Jimmy Fox was a little bit more classy than that. But we don't know. We no. d- that's the other thing is we just don't know. So he managed one season for the Daisies, not for the Peaches, but he actually lost to the Rockford Peaches in the uh, in the playoffs. I saw that. I thought that was interesting. Um, but I wanted to bring up a great quote by Yankees catcher Bill Dickey. All right. Because not only did he say he's a Hall of Famer, he was the precursor to Yogi Berra and the Yankees' long line of great catchers. Yep. Um, he was saying that not only would he have been an, an amazing catcher if he wasn't blocked by Cochran, this kind of sums up Jimmy Fox as a hitter. 
He said, if I were catching blindfolded, I'd always know it was Jimmy Fox who connected because he hit it harder than anyone else. That's awesome. I bet you could hear it. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't Bill Dickey, um, just to uh, uh, correct. It was uh, Rick Farrell, who was a Hall of Fame catcher, who said the other quote about him not being blocked by Cochran. But Bill Dickey, when he says that, because he's part of those Yankees teams, he knows. Yeah, he knows. He knows. He knows in the AL. But uh, he went on to a coaching career in college baseball for a couple seasons in his post-career. Uh, managed uh, University of Miami to a, an exactly 500 record. And uh, was also a hitting coach for the Minneapolis Millers before the Twins moved to Minneapolis. Yep. They were a AAA franchise. And uh, even his son was a good football player at Kent State, oddly enough. But, uh, you know, born in 1907, he's uh, not alive today. No, died, no. In, died in 67. July 21st. And uh, he died kind of oddly, uh, kind of a... Not necessarily, I mean, obviously every end is sad, but just a weird ending for somebody who is as talented as he was. How, wait, how did he die? He died choking on a piece of food. And this is what I found so interesting is I think the year before his wife died from choking on food. His second wife died it's from choking. Yep. So mm-hmm. weird. Yep. But uh, we'll not go into the choking. In uh, 1999, when the MLB was doing their all-century team, the uh, Sporting News ranked him 15th out of their top 100 players who had ever played Major League Baseball. And I feel like he's almost lost to history because the only time his name has ever been brought up is alongside Ken Griffey Jr. Because the Philadelphia A's aren't a team anymore. Nope. He's a right-handed power hitter. Obviously, he hit more than 500 home runs. But unless you're like a really into baseball guy... You would look at that name and go, what did he do? Yeah. But like, I really want to do this episode because it's like, this guy was a star that you don't even know about. Yeah. He was the star right after Babe Ruth. He was basically the Great Depression's all-star as far as baseball is concerned. And kudos to you, Jimmy Fox. Glad to do the episode. Hey, everybody. This is just a stock message at the end of every episode. We hope you enjoyed whatever athlete and or team that that episode was about. Just want to say, give us a quick follow on all social media. We have a YouTube channel, the Sports Experience Podcast, and we're on Instagram, Detolo Dominic and myself, C. Quinn Comedy. So give us a follow all around. Um, we're always recording right here at Angle Studio. Thank you all very much. <laughs>